Well, good morning. So we are in a series, second week now, Gospel Deep, His Glory Trampled. And as we walk through the first part of Romans here, what we're going to be learning is the clarity of how we've kind of stepped on the glory of our God, the clarity of what that looks like. Um, In the second week here, it's called the partnering for the gospel, the partnering for the gospel. And we're going to be plowing through some truths today. And uh, really over the course of this series, truths that are the depth and the power and the passion and the promise of our God. That's what we're going after, all right? And uh, wow, a lot of opportunity to uh, hear some things, to be blown away by some things, or to accidentally shut it off and miss some things, all right? And so look, we're going deep, but we're going deeper than that, so we're going gospel deep, all right? And so I'd said it this way in the first service, we're not just going deep, we're going gospel deep all right we're not just going deep we're going what that's right that's where we're headed is gospel deep what's that mean it means it affects every facet of your life that's what we're going to be talking about it affects every aspect of who you are and how you live and uh it needs to be affecting even our partnership together as a church all right so turn with me if you will to romans chapter 1 verse 8 Romans 1 verse 8 and we got the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right Romans 1 8. We're going to be talking about partnering for the gospel today Just be patient with them. They'll get the Bible to you there. All right Let me just start by reading first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son That without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He says, first, let's take care of some business before we move on with some things I want to teach you. First, uh, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. And what I love here is, look, there's this great camaraderie amongst them all, all right? There's this horizontal relationship, friend to friend, as he even hasn't met a lot of these guys pretty much. Depends on whether they've traveled in and out and bumped into him. He hasn't been to Rome yet. And so he's like, i just telling you, I thank my God for you, and I'm praying for you through Jesus Christ. Catch the vertical in it. You all matter. So I'm talking to my God about you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ, gospel message, like there's no way I could enter the throne room of the holy God of the universe to even have a conversation with him. But because of Jesus Christ, I'm thanking my God for you. I'm amazed with what he's doing. What a great privilege we have to do ministry, to do life together and to be able to celebrate our God in the midst of it. Hey, this is a wonderful celebration time, but if we only catch the horizontal, we're missing it. It's not just a club, man. We're not just gathering together to celebrate people. May our God get all the thanks as we see his hand at work. Amen? That's a good spot for an amen, yeah. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, not some of you, not the pretty people of you. Not the well-to-do, the rich, the ones who I wish I could be like of you. Not that. All of you. I want all of you to know you all matter to me. Paul is 
absolutely in the all-in camp, right, as he prays for these guys, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Hear that? Paul is not, I thank my God for you. You people are so cool. Like, I just wish I could be more like you when I joke around. I wish I could be more like you in what I, right? That's not what he's saying. He's like, your faith, unbelievable. As you're letting God do his thing with you, wow. As you're beginning to grow to be more like him, as your your passion for him, your hunger for him, your sharing of him, your growing in him, and wow. Your faith, which is heard about all over the world, that's why I'm thanking God for you. And I love that Paul grasps this church in Rome on fire. And so he sends them this letter, which has a ton of doctrine and a ton of truth in it, to be able to say, now let's move you along that path. I thank my God for you, and I'm praying for you. He says that he thanks for him. I don't know if you grasp this, but thankfulness is a really important, in fact, it's an amazing medicine for the sick heart. Thankfulness. And all too often we sidestep it. We become experts in the problem. You know what I'm saying? We know how to complain well. And we're like, oh, can you believe so-and-so did that, that, that? Or can you believe this happened? What's going on with? And we start complaining and we set the thankfulness aside. Thankfulness, it is an amazing medicine for the heart. Thankfulness, it forces our eyes off the problem and onto the problem solver. Like, okay, God, what do you have in store? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you want done? And uh, some of you in here right now might be going through a devastating time physically or emotionally or with a job, with a friend or a family member where you're wrestling with something. And... uh Time to engage the thankfulness in it. See God's hand. See what he's doing in it all. See the thread that you can be appreciative for and lift it up to your king. I'm telling you, it's easy to be an expert on the problem. Now let's be an expert with our problem solver and thank him for all that he is doing. All right? Thankfulness. Uh, I'm telling you, when you're not thanking him, you're doing some other things. All right? Three poor replacements for thankfulness. Three poor replacements for thankfulness. Number one, you're like oblivious to the good even going on. Oblivious. You didn't even know it was good stuff happening. Never even saw it. From where I stand, never noticed that that good thing happened. Oblivious. And uh, we end up such a complainer, such an expert on the problem that, in fact, we walk around a bit clueless. Um, Critical. That's the second one. We replace thankfulness with being critical. You know, we walk around and we're like, let me tell you what they did. This is exactly what they said. This is how they said it. This is the tone they said it in. I can't even believe them. We begin to complain about the other party or the other problem or whatever it is around us. And we're so critical of their nature and their spirit and their thing and what they're missing that we missed it. And we walked right past the thankfulness that we need to be engaging in our own soul to be able to keep ourselves aligned with him. Oblivious to what's going good, critical of the others and their mistakes. And the third one is resentful. I shouldn't even have to be going through this. In fact, that's like the opposite of thankful, right? 
It's like, I'm not setting it aside. I'm refusing to be. God might be doing some things in it, but why should I have to be going through this? Resentful. And, and I'm not sure I see God moving big enough or well enough or... No thanks, God. Hurting a little too much for me. No. If you're in one of those spots, take the challenge today of just setting it down and being an expert in thanking Him for the little things, whatever it is that God's doing. Look for the small stuff and the big stuff where God's showing you his hand at work and thank him like crazy. All right. Okay. He says that he thanks through Jesus Christ. Uh, This is our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, our hope eternal. Hebrews chapter four says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do have do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who is in every respect been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need jesus christ hope jesus christ problem solver Jesus Christ, because of him and his shed blood on the cross, you can have access to the throne room of the almighty king to thank him for all that he's doing, to put a prayer down before him of stuff going on, to say, you're in charge and I'm trusting you. May our knees be calloused with the time spent before our God in his throne room that Jesus Christ has opened up. All right. He says that is that the faith that their faith proclaimed throughout all the world, it's that stuff that's waking them up. And, and in fact, I would just say this simply God at work, God at work. That's the beauty of it is when you get to see God at work, have those sightings, by the way, be looking around for where you see God at work uh, in your kids, in your friends, in this church, in your impact group. Be looking for places where people are coming along in their walk with Jesus Christ and celebrate that stuff. God at work. He he says right after it, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, whom I serve with my spirit. Kind of a weird phrase. Whom I serve with my spirit. What is he saying here? In fact, this is the same word. The serve word here is in Romans 12 when he's talking about your spiritual act of service. And what you're seeing here is this passionate conviction to make sure you are giving your all for your king. Like everything I do, everywhere I go, God, for you. Not for me, not for attention to be drawn to me, that you might be served, that you might be worshiped. He says, I'm serving him with my spirit from the inside out he's spilling it out i love you lord and i'm giving you all i can and uh hey let me just tell you serving is a great opportunity uh to be able to know your god better uh just so you know a lot of people start talking about serving and you hear this a lot you start saying how can i help you and i appreciate the heart in it the intent is like i I just want to know what the needs are and i'm good with that but just so you know your serving is serving the king, 
not, not serving the staff or the eldership. That's not where it is. And as you step in and serve, you're serving your almighty God. And uh, I would ask that you take on that heart, whatever it is you're doing, whether it's ushering or greeting or worship or working in children's or whatever it is, right? And hey man, this last week we had like over 200 kids sign up for Awana. Over 200 kids in Awana. That's first night, by the way. And uh, so yeah, if some of you are like, ah, I'd love to help out with Awana, you're more than welcome. Come join us. Call Heather, let us know. We'd love to get you plugged in. And we've got a group of names that have told us they're interested and we're moving those towards it as well. And, and uh, you know what? Really cool to see God working as we see little lives on fire for Jesus Christ. Uh, not just playing games, not just having fun. That stuff happens, but way more than that on fire for Jesus Christ. Little worshipers being grown. And some of you are like, yeah, I don't do kids. And and I'm okay with that too then. If that's where you're at and we need to move you to another spot, let's find a position. But serve your God with all you have. Serve with your spirit. All in for him. And uh, may your commitment to that position reflect how awesome your God is. Okay? That's what Paul's saying here. My commitment in serving, it reflects how awesome my God is. And the gospel of his son, the truth of Jesus Christ, the power of his work on the cross. That without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. Without ceasing, that's often, I mention you always in my prayers. Like anytime that prayer is coming to mind, he's mentioning it. Anytime Paul's walking along, he's thinking about it. He's bringing up these lists of and these regularities of. And, and yeah, he's faithful in his prayer. Can you imagine having your struggle and your life on Paul's prayer list? Would that not be kind of awesome? Well, things are kind of going well today, of course. Apostle Paul is praying for me. Always. That's when he's praying. Regularly lifting up my needs. And Paul had a killer prayer list going. Know what I'm saying? Killer prayer list. As he prayed for the churches in the area. As he prayed for the people he knew. As he prayed for people he didn't know. But that he longed to get to know. Paul praying as an apostle watching over killer prayer list question how's your prayer list and uh, some of you are like oh my prayer list is good i make a really good one and i pray through it fast and i check the box well right and be careful let's not make sure that let's not make this a thing where we just feel good about our day let's make this a moment where we are entering the presence of the almighty king who is at work in this universe and i have a privilege for a moment to step alongside of him and voice my concern and thought in it and be praying for his will to be done over it. And Lord, I don't know what you're going to do next. I just know this, your will be done. Are you hearing me? Prayer lists are a powerful way to walk with your God and and be specific. Paul's got very specific prayer. Be specific in it. And, And yet handing it back over to him and watching God do the mighty work. Always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Are you hearing it? That somehow by God's will, I might come to you. My specific prayer, I want to be with you. I'm longing for you to grow in him. And and yet God, your will be done. What do you want done in this Lord? And however you see it done, then that's how it should be. Your sovereign hand over it. And I'm good with that. And uh, spending some time praying on your knees, 
taking a posture that says you're in charge. Powerful moment. Just to remind you who's in charge, what he's doing, and that you can actually be a part of that as well. The Apostle Paul praying and the people there being charged up because they're on his prayer list. They're getting an encouragement card. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we send encouragement cards out here. We got a team that sends those out on Wednesdays and, and uh, that just says, hey, we're praying for you. That's what this is. An encouragement card from the Apostle Paul. You're being prayed for. And um, he says that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Uh, Do you get this? Paul had not been with them yet. Paul hadn't planted Rome. Paul hadn't come and visited Rome. Paul was longing to get there and be able to see them. He was hoping that at some point that might happen, that this could be a great celebration of him with them, seeing not just how a church over here that he had worked with that had grown up, but how that spilled over and came into this. And now this church is spilling up and they're on fire. And I would love to get there and be able to talk with you and hear from you and May God be glorified. The Apostle Paul, may he at last succeed in getting there was part of his prayer. And I long to be there and help support you. We'll see that in just a little bit. Longs to know him and in communion with him. You know, John MacArthur wrote this. When it comes to serving, when it comes to being thankful and prayerful, the greatest worship a believer can offer to God is devoted, pure, heartfelt ministry where you care for those around you, where you long to be leaning in with them, but you're always bringing it back to your God. Be careful. It is easy to get involved in horizontal ministry and become humanitarian, where the only thing you're doing is taking care of felt needs or physical needs, maybe even emotional needs, but you stopped going vertical. Don't do it. That's not who we're called to be. We are called to make sure our God is lifted up. And as we care for the needs of one another, which is awesome, as we pray for one another, which is awesome, may we constantly realize that the prayer before our God is what matters, that we're longing for relationship with him, that we long to see his hand move, that ministry might be done. Lord, I'm ready to be a part of your warring team on my knees, praying. And I'm ready to be encouraging and thanking those around me with all I've got. What a call. Thankfulness. Uh, thankfulness for what God provides. And I got to tell you, I look around this place and I'm blown away. I'm blown away by what God is doing as he is simply rocking worlds, as he's shaping us. You know, we have had in the past 10 months, we've had hundreds saved, literally over 140 accepted Christ as Savior. We have had hundreds more being baptized. That's just in this place alone where God is doing a work. And then on top of that, when you go outside of this harvest, there are, get this now, are you ready? 25 years ago, in two weeks, they'll be celebrating their 25-year anniversary. Harvest Rolling Meadows started 1988. And from 18 people, there's now like 50,000 worshipers across 90 Harvest Bible chapels. God's doing a huge work. And that's just in this one church called Harvest Bible Chapel and all that's going on. Hey, we are independent. Just let me say this clearly. Every harvest is independent. We got our own pastor staff and our own eldership. But we stay connected as friends, sharing with one another, bonded with one another, praying for one another. And there is this awesome thing that God is doing. We have a mighty God. 
And uh, James McDonald, his faithfulness up there and 25 years now going to be celebrated in the next two weeks up there and uh, 50,000 worshipers and who knows how many thousands upon thousands saved. That is worth thanking our God for. Here's the deal. We watch football games and we're like, yeah, and we're applauding. We sit in here and we're like, it's church, be quiet. And uh, here's my request. Let's just take a moment to thank our God for the work he's doing. Lift his name up. Let's just thank him for who he is and what he's doing. Amen. Love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Man. That's our God doing a mighty work, and you've got to keep directing it vertically. You've got to. I'm telling you, it's too easy to start turning into a person. Please don't do that, all right? Um, and, and all of a sudden, you lose sight of it's all about just the people. So here's the deal. Who can you be thankful for this week? Who can you literally be taking it before your God and saying, Lord, I'm in awe of what you're doing here, of how you're working. I'm seeing your hand work in this life or in this family or in this church or in this impact group. Or Where could you be thankful and be bringing that to your God? Prayerful and thankful. The recipe for a heart on fire, no matter what the circumstance. All right? You got what you're going to be bringing? Get ready. It's going to be a big deal for you to bring it before him. Just spend some time. Maybe it's in tears. Maybe it's in joy and laughter. Make sure your God is worshipped as you thank him for all he's done. Okay? All right. So that's the first piece. Second we're going to partner with the gospel what else do we do mutually encourage and strengthen one another mutually encourage and strengthen one another starts out here verse 11 for i long to see you that i may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you i long to see you this is like a term that it really is a reflection on the word hunger i hunger for this I've tasted of something like it before, and I just want to taste it again. And uh, imagine a food that you've tasted before that you would love to taste again. Think about one. Okay? Portillo's hot dogs. (laughs) Would absolutely love to taste those again. And uh, it doesn't matter what we do to try to replicate. We come close. I'm telling you, the celery salt on top goes a long way to replicate. But there is nothing like walking into a Portillo's and ordering a Chicago-style hot dog with all the fixings on top and the juice that pours out of these all beef franks. I know it's almost lunch. <laughs> Amazing as we taste of that and how it doesn't even take but just a little talk and we start salivating on it again. That's what's going on here. He's salivating. He's hungering for being able to be there in this church and to help lift them up and the sweetness of their spirit growing in the almighty God and longing to be with him. He's longing to see him that he may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. To impart some spiritual gift. Now, I thought we better make clear what this spiritual gifting is. We got to be careful. You could get some really bad theology if you're not cautious with this stuff. So let's talk about it. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about what it's not. Okay. What it's not. Everybody say not. This is what it's not. All right. It is not uh, the spiritual gift of salvation. 
Like, I'm going to bring to you salvation. How do we know that? He's writing to them as believers. They already trust in Christ. Their faith is being proclaimed, right? This is not salvation that he's bringing, okay? So so what is it? Well, somebody said, well, maybe it could be um, some kind of spiritual gifts just in general, like we see in Romans 12 or in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and Ephesians 4, these gifts the Holy Spirit brings. Probably not that. Because there again, we see that the Holy Spirit brings that along, not through man, but through the Holy Spirit at the, at the time they're saved. And Paul says in Romans 12 that every member is going to have that and you're going to have this participation together. Y'all are needed. You're a gift. Okay. And so Paul just 11 chapters later is going to be talking how they already have this giftedness and be using that together as members. So probably not the spiritual gift the Holy Spirit would bring like that, where he enables you to do something unique like preaching, teaching, shepherding, caring, helps, those kinds of things. So then what is it? Well, it's probably something that Paul is sharing of himself, spirit through him, as he preaches and teaches, as he shepherds, as he gives insight, as he prays over, and as he's caring for them, it's literally helping, helping to strengthen their spirit and lift them up. There's some sort of ministry he's going to be doing that helps them to be strengthened. And remember this now, Second Corinthians chapter 3. How are we transformed from one degree of glory to the next? By being in the glory of the Holy Spirit. So that's 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. And uh, I'm telling you, you don't transform through muscling it, through effort. Some of you are like, hang on, exercise yourself unto godliness. How does that work? And we've kind of explained this before, right? It's, yeah, the muscling it, the putting your strength together is great for cooperating, but I'm telling you, your transformed heart comes as his glory pours over you. You will be shaped and adjusted. You will be changed from one degree of glory to the next. And in that, you can now exercise all the more. And then he shapes and changes through his glory being revealed. And you can exercise all the more. Our exercising is a cooperation with the work he's already doing. Where there is no Holy Spirit work, there will not be transformation. And that's why often you'll try to exercise yourself. And two weeks later, fall right back and be doing the same old thing. Because you're muscling it and the Spirit's glory is not pouring over. Imagine being able to be taught by the Apostle Paul on how to have the Holy Spirit pour on you. How you lay yourself open before the Spirit and say, this needs to go, Lord. What do I need to know about this that has to change? And I'm ready for you to speak to me. And, and, and I need to hear on this. And all of a sudden you're grasping the grandeur of your God. And you're reaching for him. And as you worship him, as you reach for him, as you grab hold of the truth of who he is, his glory pouring on you now, you're beginning to change. And as you begin to be transformed in that moment, all of a sudden what was hard becomes easy. What was maybe even not seemingly exciting now becomes awesome. It is a moment of time with your God. And as he's doing some transforming, you can then cooperate and exercise. And the two go together in a wonderful way. Paul's like, I can't wait to get there and impart to you some spiritual gift. Have the Holy Spirit presence being poured over you. You beginning to get it. You're leaning on him. You're crying out to him. You're longing for him. And it's strengthening you. And you are looking more like your God. That's what I long for. I can't wait to be there and see that happen. 
Lord, please, could that happen? And your will, whatever you want done, but I'd love to be there with this church and see that go down. That's Paul partnering for the gospel as he's longing to be there and encourage and impart and have the Holy Spirit do some work. It says that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Mutually encouraged. Uh, in other words, I'm not just coming to give, but also there will be some receiving. And, and hear me on this. You ready? Everybody look in here now. When it comes to the giving statement and the receiving statement, you're usually either more a giver or more a receiver. That's life, okay? And so you're kind of bent towards one side or the other, and you're like, I love to give anywhere, anytime. I'll find a person in need, and I give. And then they're like, what can I do to give back? No, I don't need that, right? And and you push away. Hear me, givers. Uh, There's a bit of pride in that. Be careful. Receive well. Allow them to give back. It allows them to take part in your life. And uh, you might be like, but that doesn't need to happen right now. You're missing part of the point of the mutual encouragement. Givers, as you share, look for them to be able to have opportunity to share back in. All right? And if you are a receiver, dude, I receive well. If you're one of those, then get ready to learn how to give a little too. And as somebody's giving to you, figure out how you can give back. A, A thank you at the least, maybe more. Maybe you can help carry load with them. Maybe you can help share with them. Maybe you're bringing a meal to their house. Whatever it is where you're saying thank you and I'm mutually encouraging with you. It's a together in it. It's not just good for me. It's not just good for you. It's good for me and you. Mutually encouraging. That's what the ministry looks like when you do it right, when you do it well, okay? Mutually encouraging and... Uh, You know, that's the model of our impact group. We use that phrase a lot, mutual ministry, mutual edification. It's a a ability for the group to share together. The plan of impact group is not one leader, many receivers. That's not the plan. The plan is us together, working together as we shape and do life together. And all of us mutually encouraging one another and growing together in that. All right. Uh, Encouragement. So I had an illustration set and then last night happened and so I'm going to use this illustration along with it, all right? So uh, we went to uh, a band competition. My daughter is in the Morton Band. She joined the cult. And, uh, and uh, hours upon hours of practice, she's a sophomore there, plays the flute. And I'm telling you, a sweet experience as these kids build a love for each other and they work hard together and they, they really accomplish a ton together. And so last night, my wife and I joined the cult and we decided to be what they call the pit team. We help move the material out onto the field and then move it back off, okay? And so our job was to, well, I was assigned to move a synthesizer. It, it was not properly named. It should have been named the thousand pound synthesizer. Should have been named that. I'm alone supposed to move this thing, all right? We had parked in lot B. There was a lot A that was much closer. We were in lot B, all right? If you look on your maps, it is actually named Egypt. I am telling you, we were way out there and I've got this beast and I'm pushing it along and I'm pushing and I'm starting to sweat like crazy. And all of a sudden I'm like... Does anybody know I had a tumor surgery this year? You know what I mean? You got to pull that one out. It's not often you get to say it, right? 
And I'm moving it along and I, I'm trying to get this thing to the point where we're ready to go out on the field. And here's the cool part. As we were walking by, all of us in our uniformed elements and the band kids with us that were part of the pit team in their uniforms, the other bands walking the other way are like, go get them, man. You're going to do well. You can do it. Give them your best. You guys are going to be awesome. This is a competition amongst marching bands and uh, love to see the encouragement. And uh, as our team was going past and they're like, you were awesome. And I'm like, you weren't even there. How do you know they were awesome? I'm sure they were awesome, right? And uh, just a ton of encouragement going on back and forth. I loved the environment of that. And there's certain sports that have that, certain sports that foster not that. This one, definitely the marching band has a ton of competition in it and uh, a lot of uh, respect and mutual encouragement as well. Um, they did the thing well. They did great. They ended up taking firsts in every class and then ended up doing the, I'm going to say the wrong name again. It's not grandmaster. It's grand Grand champion. Grandmaster is another cult word, I guess. It's grand champion. So they took the overall last night. Morton did. They had a blast doing it. And, and uh, the practice that they go through, well worth it as they uh, kind of get to the tops and where they're performing. Now it's our job to get the stuff back. And here we go. And everybody's a little more interested in just getting home. And there's no bands there to encourage you. You're going to do awesome. And I'm all of a sudden I'm alone on this path. With my thousand pound synthesizer. I don't know what it really weighed, but so I'm pushing this thing along and I'm starting to hear my feet and I'm hearing sweat drip off of me and I'm alone. I finally get out to the bus. Everybody's already there. People are walking back past me again. They've already dropped their stuff off. And as I drop it off, I'm telling you the difference in the way back was horrifically worse than the way there. All right. Life in the realm where there is mutual encouragement is really worth living where we come alongside of each other, where we rally to each other's side, where we encourage each other, where we pray for each other, where we care for each other's needs. And when you're alone in it, it can be a lot more forlorn, a lot more lost. And uh, hear me, if you are not plugged in, get plugged in here. Get to a place where there can be mutual encouragement, all right? Where there can be a sharing together. Our impact groups are a great spot for that. Uh, Imagine this. You've got something going on in your life. True story now. They had about a year-long adventure going on in, in their lives, and they were praying personally for this healing, this changing to go on, and they continued to be praying and praying, not getting an answer. Joined an impact group, and this is what the impact group leader wrote. We had an answer to prayer for a new member that had been praying for over a year. We'd only been meeting for three weeks, and God moved big. People are open and sharing deep needs, hurts, challenges, and praises. They are also asking for accountability. God is good. And our group has been put together for a purpose. We are excited to continue to see what he has in store for our group this year. Impact groups. What a great place to be getting for mutual encouragement. Look, it's not that it can't happen in the hallways or beside each other as you're serving. Definitely doing that. But getting plugged into an impact group and making sure you've got a spot where you're caring for others on a regular basis and they're caring for you. That God might get the greater glory. It's not just a humanitarian effort. It's that our king might be worshipped and they might be more like him tomorrow than they are today as we pour in with one another. Mutual encouragement. So, uh, hey, simple question. Who can you encourage in your walk this week? Who can you come alongside and maybe just shoot them a thank you? 
or uh, we're praying for you, or I know what you're going through, or how can I help? Who can you mutually encourage that God might get the greater glory? And uh, second request, get ready to receive something as well. Share in it, mutually sharing, caring for one another, that your God and his giving nature would be shown off, right? You think about the gospel message and all that he sacrificed. Should that not be our ultimate example as we step out and care for one another? Mutual encouragement. All right. So thankfulness, prayerfulness, mutual encouragement, all great ways to partner in the gospel, getting the word out that our God is awesome and he's so worth knowing. And then the third one, be global in our perspectives and responsibilities. Be global in our perspectives and responsibilities. He says, I want you to know, brothers, like you matter to me, and I don't want you clueless on this. It's important you understand that you matter. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. My goal was to get there, but God has said, not right now. Sovereign hand of God on it, saying, not right now. Not sure why, but that's what God wants. And so just so you know, working with God on this, and God's been preventing so far, his hand on it, though, we trust him in the midst. He says, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul's allness coming in here as he's getting fired up. Take a look at the end of verse 6 up above, or verse 5, end of verse 5. The obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. That's his goal. Among all the nations, God glorified. Paul's statement is not just a few places, wherever I could be used, one little thing, that's all. He's like, no, everywhere. All the nations. And what does that look like? As an apostle, him reaching out like crazy to these churches. He says, to the Gentiles, he says, then I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Greeks and barbarians, like there's the Greeks and then there's what they call the not Greeks, barbarians. There's the wise and then, well, what you'd call the not wise, the foolish. So this is everyone, man. Like my goal is to reach out to everybody and make this thing known. I hope that our king is glorified in all the nations. He says, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I am ready to bring it and bring it big. And, uh, hey, we need to have a gospel focus that is global, all right? And um, for many of us, we're like, well, I don't talk to anybody globally. How does that happen? And so part of our job is to partner here as a church corporately and make sure that we together reach out, okay? Make sure that we're going global from here. And so, yeah, we need to reach right into this community with discipleship. And so you hear it with impact groups, with impact services on Sunday, with our studies that we go after. You guys, deep on fire for your king. That's what we're looking at. That's discipleship right here in our church walls. And then as we just go outside into our local community, right? You look at Acts 1-8, it says Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost parts. So in our Jerusalem, right here in our backyards, all these communities represented, over 35 communities, how do we touch them? How do we get out and make an impact? And, 
And uh, for example, we do our Compassion Day where we pull 600 plus people together this last year and get out and serve in all these communities. That's a great thing. But that's that's one day, Tim. You got an example where we do something more regularly than that? And well, here's another one. We got mentoring going on. And uh, the slides were rolling before the service. Maybe you noticed it. Uh, we do mentoring in East Peoria. That means midweek, Monday through Friday somewhere, twice a month, trying to get over into the East Peoria schools with a team of people and, and you've got a child you're assigned to. A child who is either not got a father or there's something rough going on in the home and you're able to reach into that home and care for them. To laugh with them. Maybe to cry with them or pray with them. To help them with schoolwork. Don't worry, it's grammar school. You can handle it, right? To reach out and help them and to just laugh with them. You might be invited to recess. You might be talking to them at lunch. However it works out. Let me tell you, we've had this going on this last year. Kids sitting next to them going, how do I get one of those mentor things? I want a guy hanging out with me, man. Where's that? We're starting to get more and more names coming in as they're looking for. We've had kids saved. We have families coming to this church. We got families going to other churches, not this one, but they found one that fit their family and they're located. We're great with that, but it's been firing people up for Jesus Christ and mentoring in this local community. Maybe that's for you. And if it is, hey, get to Steve McGinnis fast. We want to get you plugged in and get it started right here in September, all right? And there's going to be a training next week, mentoring, a huge deal. And uh, God's really been blessing that this last year. Uh, Would love to have you involved in it. And uh, we do dozens of organizations we touch in this area as well with finances or with some assist. Uh, Just a lot going on. That's Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, you know, like nationally. And uh, did you know we plant churches? Hopefully you do. Harvest Bible Chapel, a planting church and all we do. This harvest, we planted Harvest Bible Chapel, Denver, three years ago in November. It'll be three years. Can you believe that? And uh, they're running over 500 already. And uh, I'll be interested to see where they are after today. Today is their first day of having two services. They are now moving to two services in Denver. Big deal. And uh, talked to Jeff this morning, texted him. I'm like, hey, bro, praying for you. He texted back, please pray big. Little nervous. We'll see how it goes. Uh, exciting, nervous. Those was his text going on, and it's cool to see Jeff wrestling through it and watching God do some big things there. And hey, that's Harvest Bible Chapel, Denver. And uh, you may not know this, you may not have heard this term, but uh, we're a sending base as well. And uh, what that means is this church has agreed, along with six or seven other harvests, uh, to try to help put some care net out there for all the harvests. So we have 13 Harvest Bible Chapels that we help uh, watch over. And uh, it's not with authority. It's just with friendship. Okay, so we might suggest or advise or counsel in something. They're very, they're allowed to say, no, thank you. They can do their thing. But it is sharing together, caring together, praying for, rallying around, and being able to help give some advice and thought as to what we've seen as we've moved forward. Sending bases. It's a way for us to put a care net around the harvests that are out there and make an impact nationally. And it's another thing we're doing here. And we brought uh, a good uh, number of them in in August and did some training and uh, some relaxed time as well. Just good for you to know those things are going on. And that's some of what we're doing with the missions dollars is trying to wrap our arms around church and church plant. Uh, well, what about internationally? Yeah, so we were hooked up with... Uh, a church in Romania, and we were kind of help bringing them along. That was a good season there, and they're now kind of uh, partnering with another church in that, and uh, we've stepped over where it looks like we're going to be partnering with a church in Haiti, the same church we sent our high schoolers down to. So we had 51 high schoolers and leaders that went down there, like 125 kids accepted Christ. The place is on fire, man. That church is looking to do a replant, kind of become a harvest. 
all right? The term is replant. That means they're existing church, but they're going to become a harvest. And, and uh, so we might have a role in that. We'll have to see how that all plays out in the next weeks here. But uh, something to be praying for. Absolutely, as we reach out into this nation and into the uh, world overall, God, what would you have us to do that your name, your fame, and your glory could be lifted up? Those are just a few things we're doing. Here's the simple of it. You ready? It's a lot of talk about horizontal. And you can lose it real fast that it's about our almighty king. And we've got some things to do to make sure our God is shown off. And so here's my question for you. Are you ready to shine as a light right where you are? Are you ready right where you're at in your work, in your family to say, I'm going to be a bold follower of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean brash, harsh, uh, rude, offensive. It doesn't mean any of that. Bold, like vulnerable, willing to share, willing to bring forth the truth of him and what he's done in your life to those around you. And then help them to worship your God more with all you've got. As they see you on fire, they get a taste of what it can be like. Are you ready to be an on fire worshiper? One shining for Jesus Christ. That's our call. Partnering for the gospel, putting his name first, thankful, prayerful, uh, coming together in mutual encouragement, shining as a light and going global with it with all we've got that our God might be glorified. That's our call. And all of God's people said, that's where we need to be headed with his gospel. Let's pray.